Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Budry Malinur. Thanks for being on the show, Budry. Thank you, Whitney. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, Budry is the co-founder and VP at Avestor Incorporated, a real estate investment technology platform that allows investors to build custom real estate portfolios. Budry has extensive investment ex- experience spanning a large variety of assets, including real estate, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, commodities, options, and angel investing. He has co-founded two startups and has extensive management experience leading large teams at a Fortune 500 company. Budry, thank you again for your time this morning being on the show, and I'm looking forward to getting into your experience a little bit and just this platform that you've helped create that, that's helping lots of investors to uh, diversify their portfolio. But get us started a little bit just with you, your background. And I think that will help us to just also, you know, dive into investor and what that is and what that's doing uh, for investors also. Sounds good, Whitney. And thank you again for the opportunity. You've been doing a great job. I mean, you're a podcaster and I, I feel honored to be part of the show. So I really believe in building a diversified portfolio of different assets. Real estate is just one piece of it. And as you kindly indicated, I've invested in a wide range of asset classes. I don't know why real estate is often considered an alternative investment. I think it should almost be a main investment because it has a lot less volatility than the stock market, but we'll go with the traditional terminology. And I was in the corporate world about 10, 12 years back. I've done a couple of startups. I run a technology training company. And right now I'm part of Avestor, which is a real estate investment platform which does precisely what I was trying to tell you, help investors build diversified real estate portfolios. Nice. No, it's just interesting. I don't know too many people who have invested in that many asset classes. So I think it's a great level of experience and a desire to be diversified. We've talked about being diversified numerous times on the show, whether we're talking about just multifamilies, you know, across syndicators and markets and things like that. But I think it's interesting to think about, you know, even other asset classes that are completely outside of real estate as well. Sometimes that can seem intimidating to somebody that's, you know, focused on real estate. You know, I've heard people say the same thing, Badre, about, well, you know, I want to invest in real estate, but I feel like it's, you know, it's real secondary, right? Like you mentioned, it's this thing, I'll do it sometime. And so I agree, it should be a main thing I think we're investing in. You know, let's get started about Avestor a little bit. Avestor, what that does for investors and how it helps them to build more diversified portfolio. Okay. So the way I want you to think of Avestor is think of it like the Fidelity. I don't want to offend your favorite stockbroker, the E-Trade or Fidelity or Ameritrade or whatever of real estate. We want to make real estate investment as simple as buying a stock. So today, real estate investment is pretty complex. Yes, you could go buy real estate investment trusts, but they have a number of problems associated with it. We can talk a little more about that later. So what Avestor does, it allows, think of it like a salad bar. You go to a salad bar, I want some tomatoes, I want some green lettuce, I want some jalapenos. Now I'm showing my penchant for spicy food. That's kind of the experience we bring to a real estate investor. We screen hundreds of syndication deals across the country, and we pre-select and pre-invest in a small subset of them. 
and then the investors can and then cut them into small slices and then investors can come and choose the size of the slice and what type of asset classes and build a diversified portfolio i mean i keep coming back to building a diversified real estate portfolio but that's what we are about we are not about selling you the one deal at a time but we are about kind of minimizing your risk and maximizing your return Nice. No, that's interesting. And I look forward to looking into it myself. And I'm sure many of the listeners will as well. You know, as far as a platform like that, that investors are, are looking at buying into, how do you or how does a investor choose, you know, those syndication deals? Or, you know, are they also doing other asset classes as well? Or is it strictly real estate? And how do they choose the opportunities that they're going to invest in? So as of now, investor is focusing only on real estate. We may expand into other alternative investments in the future. And we invest in a wide range of asset classes, uh, I mean, types of properties within real estate. We invest in a wide range of states. We invest in self-storage, retail centers, multifamily. We are looking at senior living. We do several student housing. And to answer your first question, we have built a mathematical model. We have over 10 years experience, personal experience in investing in real estate and uh, evaluating syndication deals. I don't even think of that as real estate investments. I've had a fourplex and a triplex for 20 years. It's kind of in the back of my portfolio. I don't think about it, generating great cash flow. And uh, I've invested in some syndication deals. And one of my partners has done uh, seven figures worth, several million dollars worth of syndication deals. And what we have built based on our experience is a mathematical model. It's not about people. I mean, ultimately, there is some relationship involved, but it's all about the math behind it. And we take into account about 40 different variables. We look at the uh, equity stack, and I hope your uh, viewers are familiar with a lot of this terminology. We look at the location, the target uh, return. We look at, we even do a social injustice assessment to make sure that the project is socially viable. And then once we put this through the funnel, and we since we have data on hundreds of deals, we are able to compare past performance, and then we pick the best deals, and then we pre-invest in them. And then cut them into slices. That's kind of what we do. Okay, nice. So, so the investor is really gaining that experience or that expertise from you all to know that they're investing in a deal that went through that formula, or you know, you you pulled out those forty details, or you know, whatnot that that you all, from your experience, have learned that's important. You know, you mentioned like the relationship piece, and it's hard for a formula to to calculate a relationship, right? But I would like to know, you know, how do you all take that into account? I feel like like the operator is more crucial than the deal. I feel a lot of times, how is that figured in that as well? You're absolutely right. So it's not just the operator, right? It's the location and then how good the location is, the crime rate, the unemployment. So all of those are factored in. So the operator, there is a little bit of subjectivity there, but some of that also we try to reduce it to a mathematical formula. So we kind of look at uh, the number of exits the operator has had, what was the average return on the exits, the assets under management, now, don't get me wrong, we work with uh, several crowdfunding sites and dozens of syndicators. Just because a syndicator does not have an exit, we don't rule them out, but that reduces the number of points. So overall, different factors contribute to different point structure. And the deal itself is very good, and the syndicator has not had an exit before, then it still will pass because the overall point score will be better. Yeah, there's just some you know, human part there components i feel like that can always be calculated but no that's interesting that there there is a way to calculate a lot of that though you know depending on what their past performance is assets under management average rate of return you know maybe across their portfolio as a syndicator how can syndicators you know use this platform for their benefit as well 
That's an excellent question. So there are three or four ways we can work with syndicators. One, uh, you know, often syndicators do not want to. I'll start with the obvious way. We have some syndicators who actually come to our platform and invest as a passive investor, believe it or not, because they don't want to be diversified too. I mean, they don't want to put all their money in their own deals. I mean, that may practice what they preach, but you, again, you want to build some diversification. That's the first way, the obvious way. Then the second way is, you know, most syndicators, I'm sure that includes you too, don't want to deal with a lot of small investors. I mean, uh, so what we could do is we could combine a lot of the small investors. And as far as you are concerned, when I say you, I mean a syndicator, you are dealing with one investor, which is a vessel. But then we slice it and deal, uh, allocate it in small slices to a bunch of investors. And then the third way is you can always offer your deals to us. And if it passes, we'll pre-invest it and offer it to our existing investors. And the last way is a little more complex. A investor, because of the experience of what we have done, is a unique platform for creating a fund for yourself. Now, it does not make sense if you're just doing one or two deals a year, but if you're doing multiple deals a year and you plan to be in this business for a while, there are some unique advantages in using Avester as a platform for a fund. Because one of the things which we do, which no other software does, is we calculate the time value of money. Typically, syndicators take into account, let's say they raise money for one deal and then move on to the second deal. But the way you can work with us is you can put some of your money, but then it, uh, when you finally get an exit, the software calculates that your money was tied up for six months and gets you a prorated share of returns. But to the best of our knowledge, we believe that no other software does that. Those are the four different ways. Nice. No, and I just wonder, like, as a passive investor, are they investing in a specific opportunity with you? You know, is it more like a fund where, you know, they're going to put 50000 in or, you know, and it may be invested across numerous deals? You know, I'm glad you asked that. That is exactly or precisely where we are different from the other funds out there. In most funds, it's like buying a slice of pie, right? I mean, you get the whole pie. I mean, you get a slice of it. You can't say, I want this part of it and I don't want this part of it. Whereas an investor, you can. Our minimum investment is $25,000. And for that, you might be in, in, uh, invested in more than 15 to 20 deals. And the absolutely, the investor can pick and choose what deals they want. You can say, hey, I want this deal. Or somebody from California may say, you know, I've, I've got enough exposure to California real estate. I don't really want to invest in California. Or somebody may say, you know, I really don't want to, not that we do a lot of that, we don't want any exposure to exposure to office space because of COVID or whatnot, right? So you can pick and choose what deals you want, you can pick and choose how much you want to invest. And here, here is the best part, okay? We have built the technology and the legal infrastructure to combine all of these different K1s. As you probably know, a K1 is a partnership return you get for each syndication deal. And we combine all of this and we generate a single K1, which is huge. It doesn't just reduce the complexity, though I'm not here to provide tax advice. The way we have structured it, you can offset passive losses from one K1 against passive losses from another K1. So it gives uh, immense tax benefits as well. So that's kind of uh, the value out of the platform. How does the timing work? I know like when we put out a deal, let's say you and I were you know, partnered on a project or a investor was going to come in on one of our projects and we put it out to investors. I mean, I know often, I mean, it's it's filled up with investors. Our commitments are full within hours, which is a blessing. And we were very thankful just for the desire there. But but I just wanted like, how does that work? We said, okay, let's talk about partnering on a deal or, you know, or using a investor and letting some of your investors to diversify, you know, an hour in this specific deal. What does that look like to work with you on that and for your team or your investor to partner with us? Okay. 
the way it would work is we would want you to send the full investment deck, the financial pro forma. I mean, we do a detailed analysis. I already told you that. Right. And it doesn't take very long. We have uh, built the tools to bring it down to the in initial evaluation of the deal can be done within 30 minutes. And if you your deals fill in within uh, hours, that's great, but we can respond within hours. And as far as you're concerned, you don't have to worry about our investors, right? Because investor, just to recap what I said, is investing as a single investor. As far as you're concerned, right. investor is an investor, and then we deal with all the other investor communication. So we can respond within hours for the right deal. Yeah. So. Nice. Okay. So what about communication with investors? You know, I know like we're communicating very often, at least monthly, if not more, just how the deal's operating. We do distributions on a monthly basis. And our investors love that. You know, as far as like as a passive investor investing with investor, what does the communication look like? How do you, if you're investing in a, you know, if you did 25,000 and it's across, you know, 12 or 15 to 20 deals, what does that look like? How do I know what's happening with my investment or with those opportunities? And how do distributions work as well? You know, I would love to show a demo of the platform, but this is not the forum for it. But you'll see we have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you log in, you get a progress report on each of the investments you have done. It's just like you log into a Fidelity account where you see each, you look at each individual stock and see how much it's gained, what kind of distributions we have got. And we don't take a single penny of the distributions you give. It's distributed to the investors pro rata, of course. And then we also, though that facility is not there right now, very soon, all the documents you provide will be uploaded to the platform so the investor can log in just like an investor portal and can look through all the uh, different documents you have provided. So as soon as you provide the documents, you would upload it to the platform. That's not quite ready yet, but it should be ready in a few weeks. What are the cons for using a vester? So the cons are, if you really believe in a deal and you want to go, it's the lack of diversification. Diversification can be a plus or minus, right? So if you really like a deal, then you should go invest in the deal. Maybe you're putting fifty or $100,000 in the deal. Maybe you'll get much better returns in one deal. But that's one con, if you can call it a con. And the other con, I wouldn't call it a con, but something which you should be aware of is we charge 1% for portfolios above $100,000 annual fee and 1.25% for portfolios below $100,000. So you're paying a nominal fee, but for that you're getting pre-screen deals, a single K1, and you get a huge amount of diversification. So honestly, maybe I'm biased, but I really can't think of uh, too many other cons. And the last thing I wanted to mention is right, as of now, and we hope to change that in the future, as of now, there's a 506 c fund so it's open only for accredited investors. But that's true of many syndication deals also, unless it's a 506B fund. So. Nice. I'm glad you brought that up. I meant to ask you 506B or C, how that works a little bit. So thank you for that. Just what's been the hardest part of this process of creating this platform and then just working with investors? You know, part of it is explaining the value proposition, right? So now we have kind of a two-step, two, another level of complexity. I mean, being a syndicator, I'm sure you have some regular investors who are invested in syndication deals. Not many people are familiar with syndication deals yet. When they tell them we have invested in all these properties across the country, they say, what? So how many billions of dollars of assets do you have? I said, no, and we don't have billions of dollars. We cut it into small slices. And there is this concept of a general partner and a limited partner. So I'm sure you do a lot of education about what syndication deals are. Now we have this slight additional level of complexity where we are saying, okay, this is a fund. We, we slice it and invest in the deals. So then there are questions about where are the assets uh, structured? What's the structure of the fund, LLC, the legal entity? 
So that takes a little bit of explanation, but I'm pleased to say that uh, we have gotten past the initial hurdle and we're getting uh, a fair number of interest from investors, especially because of the diversification angle, yeah? Nice. So what about just, you know, I ask most guests like how you prepare for another downturn. You know, how is something like a investor prepared for a downturn or making sure deals are prepared for a downturn or operators just for those past investors that are investing? How do you all look, look for that? Excellent. Excellent question. So what we do is, I mean, you can never anticipate everything which can go wrong. Right. The very first point is the diversification, right? So you're investing as little as $2,500 per deal. And by definition, I would think that if you're putting $50,000, all 20 deals are not likely to go wrong, especially given the intense screening we do. That's point number one. Point number two, we are tending to invest in a little more into new construction. I mean, I'm not saying we, we of course, do value add also. And we tend to focus on class C plus or B or class A properties now, just until we get past the, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the stimulus. We don't know how long the vaccine will take. It's great news for humanity that we did get a vaccine, which is 90% effective. That's awesome. But we do have distribution challenges. So we have to get past all of that. And uh, so some things we do is we try to go a little higher in the class A, class B kind of range, though we do have some class A properties as well. And we also invest in multiple different types of asset classes, right? We all, I already mentioned that self-storage, which does pretty well during research and times historically. Hopefully that still continues to be the case. And we invest, when we do retail centers, we always focus on essential businesses, you know? So we don't want a retail center with a bunch of nail salons and beauty salons, nothing wrong with that. I fully support small businesses, but you don't want to be dependent on rent from that where it can be shut down easily, you know? So, so those are some of the factors we consider. Yeah, well, what do you predict are gonna happen, say in the real estate market over the next six to 12 months? You know, we may go through some bumps down the road, especially because of gridlock. Uh, you know, it's like the Senate may be divided. I don't want to get into politics right now. It may take some time for the stimulus response and people are hurting. I mean, uh, the COVID pandemic is raging, as you probably know. And uh, so I would say there may be a little bit of bumps down the road, but if you invest in solid properties, unfortunately, the recovery seemed to be K-shaped. So the People in technology and the upper class are doing fairly well. The stock market has recovered, though I know that's not necessarily a complete indication of the economy. So if you stay away from class C, there may be more evictions and so on there. I think you would be okay. And in the long term, I think multifamily, I think I'm preaching to the choir here, is a place to be. I mean, people need a place to live. Look at the trends. Uh, the millennials don't want to buy a house. I mean, I talk to my kids and they say, nah, I think I'm okay renting. You know? so, <laughs> because they want to be mobile. They want to go to different places. You know, I think the real estate is a good long-term investment. It provides For sure. diversification from the volatility of the stock market. Yeah. So. But Badri, you know, you've been in uh, numerous startups that have been very successful in, in operating a successful business yourself. And I believe anyone that is operating a successful business must have a high level of self-discipline. How did you gain such a high level of self-discipline? You know, I am pretty organized with my time. I get up. I get up at 5.30 every day in the morning. I do yoga, pranayama. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's breathing exercises, uh, exercises associated with yoga. And then I have this methodical, I'm also a significant option trader. So I allocate a couple of hours for trading options, a couple of hours for running Avastor, the business. And I think it's all boils down to time management, really. I know I'm not saying anything profound here, 
But if you are very careful with the allocation of time, and uh, then it's the four quadrant thing, right? Uh, do the things which are urgent and important. Move the things which are not urgent and important away, and don't let it uh, suck your time. You know, so important. How did you learn to manage time that way, or just time management techniques like that that work for you? It's something which you develop over a period of years. I used to manage a team of several hundred people in a Fortune 500 company before. So you have to manage time and you have to be able to crystallize the essence of a meeting and get to the point. So I've, uh, the corporate experience certainly helped. And I would say the corporate experience helped me even more than the startup experience. So the, the startup experience does give you a different se- sense of time management because you have a bunch of people doing the work for you in the corporate world. In the startup world, you have to roll up your hands and do a variety of things yourself. So you do learn a different facet of time management where you'll have to be able to move from one type of task to a completely different type of task very rapidly. What's a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to our business? So what we have done is we have tried to get the process of a new customer, onboarding a new customer down to a science. Again, this is not anything profound. I'm sure uh, most businesses, well-run businesses do that. We keep track of everything, the common questions which a customer has. So we proactively give answers to those questions and we try to optimize every step in the process of getting a new customer. So those are things I think See the things that you're repeating over and over and again and see what steps you can eliminate from the process and optimize the process is what I would say. That's awesome. It's something we're just always working on, you know, as well. What about your best source for meeting new investors right now? For investor, we are going after the retail investors right now, but eventually we want to work with registered investment advisors, RIAs, so that they can recommend Avestar as a platform. And that way we can go leaps and bounds non-linearly. So I found participating in podcasts like this. I, we give a lot of webinars. And I think I mentioned that we have a great educational webinar on building a diversified real estate portfolio, which concludes with a brief demo of Avestar. It's not about Avestar. It's about how you can build a diversified portfolio from a variety of sources. That's been a very good source of investors. And I do attend various conferences and participate actively in discussions. And people, uh, you know, appreciate the insights I bring. And then they say, what do you do? And, oh, yeah, I'm a co-founder of Avestor. Can we know about it? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to tell you a little more about it, you know. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I would say time management. You say one thing, but I'll go ahead and give you three things. Please. Two, uh, ability to distill what is the most important thing from a complex set of uh, data sources. And three, keeping track of business trends. I'm an avid uh, listener of CNBC and uh, read the Wall Street Journal back to top to back. And it's really important to keep track of business trends if you want to run a startup. So those are the three things I would say. And how do you like to give back? So, you know, we allocate a certain percentage of our income to give uh, to charity. And we volunteer in a religious organization. And I'm involved in various charities. I'm from India originally, and I'm involved in various charities back home. To be honest, I would really like to do more. And uh, that's probably something I should fit into my time management. So. Well, Badri, you know, it's been a pleasure to get to meet you and a pleasure to learn more about Avestor and just how it helps investors to be better diversified and uh, really providing great value to them, it seems. And tell the listeners, though, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you and uh, Avestor. 
So the best thing is to go to our website. It's investor.us. That is A-V-E-S-T-O-R.us. Or you're welcome to send me an email. My email is badri at investorinc.com. Or you can also touch, uh, touch base with me on LinkedIn. And hopefully you'll provide my contact information when you put up the podcast on your website. And uh, let me go ahead and give you my cell number for those of you who want to reach out to me. It's 503-860-8374. That's the quickest way to get in touch with me. If I'm, not, if I'm busy, I'll call you right back. I would love to hear from you. Awesome, Budry. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. Thank you, Whitney. It was great. I think you're doing an awesome job in educating people about real estate. Uh, keep it going. And I really welcome the opportunity to be part of your podcast. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.